and um, there's multiple places we could go with this tonight. Um, preaching out of the same passage that I preached out this morning, but I really wanted to um, more speak about a, a, a call, I believe, that we have on us as a local church in Queenstown. Um, we are... We are a mission campus. Um, it's the reason why I love this place so much. The nations come here. Everyone says, why do you come to Queensland? I'm like, the nations are here. You can preach the gospel to every nation um, if you're bold enough to open your mouth. Um, COVID kind of messed it up a little bit, but the nations are still here, and the nations are coming back. Um, so as a reset for us as a community, it would be really good just to emphasize why we're here. Um, because we are here, obviously, as a community to equip the saints, but we're not here to equip the saints for no reason. If you're going to be equipped, it's for a purpose, and it's for a reason. And to be honest, it's pretty pretty simple that it is the salvation of souls. It's the, it's the salvation of men and women, um, kids, and whoever, whosoever's that call upon the name of the Lord. So um, we have to have, to stay healthy as a community, we have to have an outlet. We have to have a mission. Um, when this becomes all inward focus, that's when it gets weird. If you've got kids or you work with people, you'll realize that when you get off mission, things get weird. When you're on mission and you're working, you're like, hey, I've got, I've got, I've got pizzas to make. I've got people to serve. I've got, a, I've got pigs to put in the ground. I've got some concrete to pour. When there's a mission, people get on with it. When everyone's sitting around and not sure what they're up to, that's when drama happens, right? <laughs> Take a look at the church, for example. But when we're on mission, a lot of the little petty things, a lot of the things that don't even matter kind of tend to dissipate and fall away because there is a greater purpose, there's a greater calling. And it means that we can get on with each other. It means that we can love each other and forgive each other and move on because we have to, because we're on mission. We have to work together. We're, we're here to reach a city. We're here to reach nations and when we get that, the, the little small niggly stuff actually becomes what it is, small and niggly. Amen. So we're going to go to uh, Luke 14. I want to talk about the par parable of the great banquet. Uh, we're going to start in verse 12. And he said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you re be repaid. This is another reason why I love being in Queenstown because we off quite often just see people for for one, a one-off. There's no, there's no reward coming back to us from them. Our reward comes from heaven. Amen. Don't, don't think, uh, we gotta watch that we don't have a, a mentality that people come and go and it's transient so we never actually invest in people. If, if someone's here for one service, we invest in them. Why? Because they matter to God. They, they matter to God. Their sons, their daughters, so we pour into people for however long they are here we don't say, well, you haven't been here long enough, so we're not actually going to invest in you. No, we're going to invest in relationship. We're going to invest in our, in our gifting. We're going to give you a prophetic word. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to be friendly to you. We're going to encourage you for, if you're here for one week or one year or for your whole life. It's not because we want to reward back. We're not looking to say, who's a good investment? Who's a good investment? Who's going to be here for the long haul? No, no, we just invest. Amen. All right, I've got no notes tonight, so just go with me. <laughs> okay. This is all the Lord, <laughs> or it could be me, I don't know, you, you decide. Uh, so don't invite uh, your rich neighbors or your relatives, uh, lest, any, let, lest they also invite you in return and be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, 
the crippled, the lame and the blind. I believe this is what church is about. I love how Jesus, when he came to the temple and seen the money changes, says that when he drove them out, I love this beautiful word, it says then there was room and in came the poor, the blind, the lame. There was room for people. Amen. That's why it's good to cleanse our, our own temple and cleanse the temple to make room for people. If we, if we are not accommodating, if we're not here to receive the poor, the blind, which was every single one of us, by the way. Don't forget that. <laughs> well, don't not forget it in an unhealthy way, but it's good to remind that without Jesus, we, we're pretty lost. Amen. Uh, and you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you, and you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at the table uh, heard, him, heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Who's the bread of the kingdom? Who said that the bread of life? Jesus, thank you. But he invited many, and at that time for the banquet, he, uh, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. And the first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I've brought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came to the, and reported these things to his master, and the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Maisie, you never want to make excuses before the Lord. Just going to throw it out there. I know we're all busy. We've all got things going on in our life, but no excuse is a good one. You know what excuses say? Excuses mean that I'm powerless, that there's a reason why I am the way that I am. A lot of us like to blame our upbringing, our parents, where, uh, what someone did to us. And I'm not negating that, but I'm, what I'm saying is when it comes to excuses, it's, there is no excuse when it comes to the Lord. If the Lord calls you, you say yes. You just, you just go. There's no valid excuse. You, you just, the Lord says, come, you, you go. Very in-depth tonight, I know, but it's just, just coming back to basics that if the Lord is calling you, if the Lord is requiring something of you, just say yes. It's the best thing you could ever do. Young person, old person, come on, let's just say yes to Jesus. I love young people because they just say yes because they don't really care. What do we got to lose? And the older we get, the more we think we have to lose, and the less we say yes, and the more property we have, and the more oxen we have, and the more, I was going to say more wives we have, that's not right. <laughs> You get my drift, right? More responsibilities and more things at stake and more things to do. And all of a sudden, when God calls, we say we can't. Yeah? There's too much to do. Uh, so the, ser the, master, um, the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Amazing. Um, this, this scripture will really hit different when you realize that that's you. That we are the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. We're the ones that have been invited in. If you know anything about church history, if you understand the Bible, that the, the Jewish, the, the Israelites were God's chosen people. They were the invited ones. We got grafted in. We're the Gentiles. We came in after. We're, we're, the, we're the second call here. That's us. When you realize that's who you are, that, that, that makes sense. And how many are grateful for the servant who went out and gathered us? Come on, you should be grateful for every pastor, every leader, every friend, every person that sowed the seeds of the gospel, because without it, you wouldn't be here today. And I know we all want the visitation from the Lord in our bedroom, and that happens, but most of the time, it's just someone being faithful, someone responding to the master and says, let's go quickly. Let's go quickly. I don't know if you can hear the urgency in my voice and the urgency in the scripture right now, but the master says, go quickly. 
You won't go quickly if you're lukewarm. You won't go quickly if you're apathetic. You won't go quick, quickly if you've got the oxen. You won't go quickly if you've got to worry about your property. You won't go quickly if you're saying, I'm married and I can't do anything for a year. Oh, am I preaching to anyone? I might jump right to Revelation right now. Is that okay? Just going to jump straight in there. We're going to come back to the scripture because I just think this is amazing parallels. Revelation 3, verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea writes the words of Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither what? Cold or hot. Can I tell you what cold and hot, what lukewarm looks like? Excuses. Just lukewarm, just apathetic. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would you that you were either cold or hot? So because you are lukewarm, you are neither hot nor cold. I'll spit you out of my mouth for you say I am rich, I have prospered and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind and naked. Who's the people he's calling in? Come on, who, who did the master send out and say go? Right here. And the servant said, uh, quickly go to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. What's, what's, the, what's the angel saying to the church in, in Laodicea? You think you're rich, you think you're clothed, but really, you're wretched, pitiable, poor, and blind and naked. Now, when you realize that, you'll take his invitation. <laughs> when you realize that, you will take his invitation. What a privilege and an honor to be in that state, but be invited to the master's banquet. When he gives that invitation, you're not gonna say, hey, I, no, I can't. I got other stuff going on. You're going like, man, I am naked, I am blind, I am lame, I'm crippled, I need Jesus. I'm gonna respond to the gospel. I'm gonna respond to the call. Come on, church. <laughs> I just feel like there is such a stirring in the body of Christ right now that God is actually calling us and there is such an urgency on us to actually realize the state that we are in if we don't have Jesus. It is a sobering, humbling desperate place to come to a place where you realize without Christ, I am naked, I am crippled, I am lame, I am blind, I need Jesus. Then when the call of God comes, when Scripture comes, when the Word of God comes and demands and requires something of us, we are never in an apathetic state to say, no, I have another reason or excuse why I can't come right now. When you're naked, when you're crippled and you're lame, you're blind, you realize this invitation is the best thing that is ever gonna happen to me. The house can wait. The marriage can wait. The oxen can wait. My, my savior, my king is calling me right now and I am nothing without him. This is a problem again. I know I'm bashing on the Western church and I don't mean it in that sense, but what I'm saying is we have to be real with our culture that we're living in that we actually don't believe that we are naked. We don't believe that we're poor or crippled. We actually think that we're rich. But we're actually poor in spirit. <laughs> we think we've got everything together. We're successful in a business. We're successful in, in these areas of our lives. We don't realize without Christ, we're nothing. And the saddest thing that happens is that when we give our life to Jesus and He places His favor and blessing on, of us, on us and we start to see the external world around us get better and better, then all of a sudden we think we don't need him anymore and he calls us again and invites us. He says, hey, it's ready, it's time, come back, come in, get on mission, go out and get some more people. We're like, well, like, I can't, I got too much going on. Amen. 
You say I'm rich and I have prospered and need nothing, not realizing you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by what? By fire, by the precious things that come from Christ. What does that mean? Just seek the kingdom first. Go after Jesus. Everything that is of any value is in the Lord. There is nothing of value outside of Christ. Everything that is valuable, everything that is eternal, everything that lasts forever, everything that will bring blessing to your life is found in Christ. Amen, pastor. Praise God. I cancel you to buy refined by fire so that you may be rich. Come on, we wanna be truly rich, which is rich in faith towards God and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And I asked my wife what this word how you pronounce this word, and she couldn't tell me. Salve, how's that? Salve is actually like a thick ointment. Salve your eyes, anoint your eyes so that you may see. What's it talking about? It's actually seeing the condition that you're in. Seeing your desperate need for Jesus. Seeing your desperate need for Christ. Seeing the urgency, seeing the that without Christ, I am naked. Without Christ, I am poor. I need Him. I need the clothing of righteousness. I need His holiness. I need His forgiveness. I need His salvation. I just need Jesus with everything that I am. I got any hungry people in the room tonight. So that you may see those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. How many love reprove and discipline? Turns out if you get in it, He loves you. Crazy, right? Because we think, no, you don't discipline people you love. No, you do. You reprove and discipline people you love. The Bible says that if you're not uh, being disciplined by the Lord, you're an illegitimate son, that He corrects the ones that He loves. And so our life before God is not just all roses and gardens. He actually wants to discipline and bring correction. Why? Because He loves us and He wants to see us flourish in life. Amen. And He's saying if we come to Him, that's what He'll do for us. So be zealous and repent. What does zealous mean? It means to be passionate. It means not to be lukewarm. It doesn't mean to be apathetic. It doesn't mean to to feel I'm already rich, I'm already prospering, I don't need the Lord. No, no, no. Be zealous and repent. Be zealous and come back to the Lord. This is not just talking about your one-time salvation. This is talking about a continual lifestyle that says, I need the Lord. A lot of us only need the Lord when things are going bad, but we need the Lord. You need the Lord on the good days, and you need the Lord on the mundane days, and you need the the Lord on the bad days, and you need the Lord on the hard days. And you just need the Lord consistently. Amen. And the, great, the, the moment we come to that realization, we will not be apathetic. We will not be lukewarm. And when he says, come, we'll say, yes. Come on, somebody. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him. That's talking about fellowship and intimacy right there. Come on, who doesn't want that? That's what happens in a banquet, guys. We sit down and we eat together. That's what he's calling to. He's calling us to fellowship. He's calling us to be with him. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit, to sit with me on my throne. If we're gonna conquer, it almost sounds like there's gonna be a fight. The Bible encourages us to fight the good fight of faith. But what is that? That's to stay in faith. What is Faith. Believing, trusting, leaning, everything we are, leaning into Christ, petitioning Christ, 
finding our identity in Christ, finding our life in Christ, finding our blessing in Christ, finding everything in Christ, realizing without Christ, I'm poor, naked, and miserable. And even when blessings come, realizing still without Christ, I would just be back in that state again. That's the good fight of faith, to stay in faith, that when the world and life starts to look opposite to what the Word of God says, we stay in faith. You don't need faith if you're already living in it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the things yet seen. So to have faith is, is, is actually giving the impression that what is available to me is not quite mine yet. It's mine, but it's not mine yet. I need faith to walk that out. I don't live by sight. I don't live about how my life's going. I live by faith. I walk by faith. So I continue to walk and fight the good fight of faith. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Without that, I become apathetic. Why? There's no fight. There's no mission. Why do I need faith for? I'm good. I'm clothed. I'm happy. I'm successful. No, no, no. Without Him, we are, we are, we're nothing. Without Him, without His goodness, without His grace, we are nothing. Everything comes from Him. So I fight the good fight of faith. That means I lay hold of the things that Jesus has purchased for me. And I keep walking and I keep believing and I keep petitioning and I keep living and knocking and seeking until I find. <laughs> because He says that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we live in this way where we are believing and walking and fighting the good fight of faith. And people think that that's fighting to obtain something. No, it's fighting to stay that it's already been attained. Waiting to see the reality of it in my life. The reality, the manifestation that what God said and what God promised is gonna be evident in my life. And not only just for me, but I'm actually gonna release it to everyone else around me. Because what you have acquired by faith, God graces and gives you the ability to release it to others. That's why we have to fight the good fight of faith because we haven't fought the fight of faith. We have nothing to offer the world. Come on, Jesus. All right, what do we get? Where do we get to? Behold, I stand at the door. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. As I also conquered, and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Let's go back to uh, verse 21. So the servant came and therefore I cannot, said, therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to the servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. First thing I want you to understand is that you. That's you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for inviting us into relationship with you. Please don't ever take that for granted. Don't treat your relationship with God as something that is just familiar and content. Have reverence, have awe that we have been invited. An invitation is a beautiful thing. It's trusting the goodness of the one who invited you because you can't turn up and say, well, I'm meant to be here. I earned this spot. No, I was invited in. Have you noticed that? Like when someone invites you to, to, to their house, you, I don't know what it's like for you, but if I'm invited to someone's house, I know that I'm welcome, but I, I, I act and I, and I live in a way that is humble and honoring the, the, the person that invited me. I've been invited into their home. 
they've invited me for dinner. So I don't walk in there like I own the place. It's a privilege and honor, me, honor for me to be there. I was invited in. And I'm, I, I'm at the mercy of the person who invited me. So if they change their attitude or their countenance towards me, you see what I'm getting here? There's a difference between invited and showing up like you own the place. If you're invited, you come in with such a reverence and an awe. Man, it is such an honor to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me for dinner tonight. Thank you so much for your fellowship. I'm there solely based on the goodness of the person who invited me. Thank you, Jesus. So quickly go to the streets and the lanes of the city. First thing I want us to know that we are called to reach our city locally. The master said to the servant, go out to the lanes and the streets of the city. Every single one of us are called to reach our city. Every single one of us are called, if I could use another word, local. Local. Our church, our local church must have a local impact. Your life must have a local impact. What does that mean? It must, it must, you must see the people around you, your business, your school, your work friends, everyone that's locally in your, your sphere, God has called you to reach them. It is true. Thank you. It is true. We have a local call. You have a call to reach your family. You have a call to reach your friends. You have a call to reach every single person that God has placed around. Crunchy's here. I was wondering where Crunchy was tonight. Thanks, bro. I was worried. I've been here for two weeks. I'm like, Crunchy's not here. Yeah, no, I wasn't here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you were here. I wasn't here. Anyway, it's good to see you. Sorry, bro. I got distracted now. I was actually thinking about it in worship. I was like, is Crunchy here? I haven't seen her for a while. It was me. I was away. You were here. <laughs> All that to say, because I know that you're called to reach people, and every single one of us are, but you're called to, to be an evangelist for sure. Um, so we're called to reach local, right? We have to have a local impact. So the people that are around us, our family, our friends, we're called to reach local. So he says, first and foremost, he says, go into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the who? Poor, crippled, blind, and the lame. Just a good thing for us to note, no matter how people look, that's everyone without Jesus. Even though we might want to tell you different, even though we might put on a facade, even though someone might look like a successful person, everyone who doesn't have Jesus, as we read in Revelation, is blind, naked, lame, crippled. Without Jesus, you're not in a good spot. All right? So this is, this is good for us that we should actually be physically going after uh, people in, in this state, but spiritually, everyone is in this state without Jesus. We were in that state without Jesus, okay? Just in case you're wondering who God actually wants to save. Everyone. That makes it easy, eh? God, who do you, who, who, who'd you die for? Everyone? Okay, sweet. <laughs> I love the simplicity of the gospel. And the servant said, sir, your command has been done and still there is what? Room. Come on, there's still more room. I don't know if you've looked around the seats, lady, but have a look down your aisle. Have a look down this side. Have a look upstairs. I believe that God actually has a, has a heart to see this place filled. Why? So we can boast and say this place is filled? No, 
but God wants to save every person. So filled seats are so, are save souls. <laughs> people coming to church and being equipped as more people out in the mission field. So, so, so don't be scared of numbers. Don't be scared of, of, of mega church. Don't be scared of a big church. It just means that people are getting saved. All right? We want to see this place filled. Amen? So he comes back and says, hey, I've done my local mission. I've locally just got everyone around me. I've invited every single one of them. Now what? Well, then he goes on to say, well, now that they, now there's still room in the house, he says, and the master said the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges. What is that talking about? What are hedges talking about? Hedges are talking about boundaries, right? Highways are talking about places that go to other cities, other nations. Praise God, we're in Queenstown. So not only are we, are we, are we trying to, trying to um, see people saved in our local community, but we wanna see the nations come to know Jesus. We believe that Jesus is the desire of all nations, that if we lift up the name of Jesus, that he will draw all people unto himself. So we have this local mission where we wanna see the local community just impacted with the gospel and we pray for revival and we sing about revival and no, it's not because we're all about a fad. God is a God of revival. God wants to see nations awaken. God wants to see local communities awaken. He wants to see your family awaken. He wants to just save and heal and deliver. That's who He is. It's what He does. Funny, we can believe that. So He wants to see Queenstown saved, but He also wants to see the hedges and the highways. So not only do we need to have a local context, we need to actually think bigger that we're not just local Queenstown. We wanna actually have an effect on the nations. And I say that with all humility, but I actually believe there is a grace and an anointing on this house to actually actually influence nations. <laughs> there is nations that are gonna come here. There's nations that already come here. And it's not for no reason. God has placed something in this place in Queenstown. I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about in Queenstown. People come from all over the world and they come and they're looking for they're looking for a, a moment. They're looking for some kind of beauty. They're looking for some kind of life-giving experience. And the only experience they need is Jesus. And there is a local church there that actually has an understanding that we're called to go to the cities and the lanes, but we're also called to go to the highways and the hedges. We are local and we are international. We just wanna see people saved. Why? Why do we wanna see people saved? Because there's still more room in his house. We have not hit our quota. It is not time to pack our bags. It is not time to become apathetic. It is not time to become lukewarm. It's not the time to say, I've got other stuff going on. It's not the time to make compromise. It's not the time to make excuses and say, maybe tomorrow I'll answer the call of God. No, answer the call of God today. For the love of Jesus, answer the call of God today. Stop waiting for tomorrow. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. The Bible says that if we have listened to the Holy Spirit and not harden our hearts like in the day of rebellion, what happened to that generation? They wandered around the desert for 40 years. I don't have another 40 years. I, maybe I do. I don't, I'm not saying I'm gonna die early. But what I'm saying is I don't wanna walk around for 40 years, filling in time, waiting for another generation to step up to do what we should have done. <laughs> because there's still room. And so I, I'm, I'm saying all of this to, to say tonight that we have to have see the urgency of Scripture that he's saying, go out quickly. Go out quickly. It sounds like the commission, doesn't it? 
Go into all the nations. Preach the gospel. Make disciples of what? There's a word in there. Make disciples of all nations. We're meant to be discipling nations. Oh, yeah. So not only local, but we're meant to be discipling nations. Now, uh, this is really what I want to just prophesy tonight, that every single one of us that call this place home need to understand that we have a grace and an anointing on us to disciple nations. And you'll be looking at yourself right now saying, but we're just a little church sitting in Queenstown. No, no, no. We have a grace and a calling on us to reach nations, to disciple nations. Am I trying to hype you up tonight? Yes. Yes, I am. (laughs) But I'm actually asking us to believe that the spiritual authority that God has given us, the grace that He has put on us is bigger than what we realize. And if we don't get aware that He has sent us to to the cities and the lanes and the hedges and the highways, we're not gonna disciple nations. We're gonna make excuses of why we can't. And there's plenty of excuses to go around, guys. We're not gonna run out of excuses. I'll tell you that right now. When you make one excuse, there's more to come. And I'm trying to say this with all love and grace, but the time for excuses is over. There is a, there is a radical call to answer. I'm not, I'm not the end of days guy but I am aware of the season that we're in. And it's a season of harvest. And I don't know how long we're gonna last in a lukewarm state. I for one wanna do what the book of Revelation says and be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. What does that look like without re-preaching my whole word this morning. It's wholeheartedness. It's understanding that the, the call of God is precious. The souls of men and women are precious in His sight. The people that we encounter every day are precious to Him. And no matter how put together Queenstown looks, no matter how successful the people around us look, my dad always used to say, if you scratch a little bit under the surface, you'll realize people aren't happy. And don't for, for a second think that you're different to anyone else. What was it like for you without Jesus? I had the image of living like a king for two years, but... I was completely lost and everything came crashing down and I needed Jesus. I realized that I was poor. I realized I was naked. I realized I was lame. But I'm nothing without Jesus. And by His grace, He didn't leave me in that state. By His grace, He does not want people to be in that state. He wants to clothe people with His righteousness. Come on. He wants to save the lost. He wants to heal the sick. He wants to deliver the oppressed. You don't have to go far in the gospel to see Jesus' heart 
the heart of the Father towards humanity. He's not here to shame us. He's not here to punish us. He's here to rescue us. It says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. If one died, all died. Jesus gave His life for every single person. And as long as I'm breathing, I'll keep reminding people, He paid a price. And the church is not a pleasure cruise ship. It's not a club. It's a blinging soul-saving city turned upside down. Healing, restoration, recovery, you name it. People get saved on this boat. Come on, the lost, get, the lost come in. We've we, we got local boats and we've got international boats, but either way, the boats are saving souls. Who's the boat? You're the boat. Come on, you're the captain now. <laughs> Sorry, I've been watching Captain Phillips. If you didn't get that one. Come on, we're called. I could, I could carry on with Luke. You know, what, you know what the next chapter's about? The parable of the lost sheep. The parable of the lost coin. The parable of the prodigal son. Come on, it's all about lost people. I mean, it makes no sense to leave nine coins and go and find one. That's the heart of God. I mean, most of us would just say, well, we've still got the nine. Let's bunker down, make sure we don't lose any more. The heart of God is to go after the one that's missing. Come on, and as a church, we have to have the same heart that God has. It makes no sense to leave 99 sheep and go after one sheep. We've still got 99. But the heart of God is to go after the one. And there are ones all around us. I remember seeing a, um, a music video clip. I don't kind of remember the song, but I remember in this video clip, it, it, it portrayed every person walking around with a, with a timer on their head of like when, when their life was over. I feel like I'm being really scary tonight. Hopefully it's not scary. Hopefully it's sobering. But we don't know where people are at. I don't even know. What, I don't, the, the Bible, the psalmist says, teach us to number our days. What does that mean? We, we don't know how long we're on the planet. And, and I, for one, want to fulfill the call of God on my life. I, I want to I live for Him. I don't want to waste my life on excuses. I want to waste my life on Him. If He says, come, I'm, I'm there. Because I've counted the cost. And I've been poor and I've been naked and I know what it's like. I just want to stir you tonight to understand God's heart towards you. I want to stir you tonight that you have a calling upon your life. And I want to challenge you that there's always going to be an excuse. But there's an urgency to go quickly. And I believe that we're in a season of going quickly. I've heard it prophesied many times, and I believe it with all my heart, that we're in a season of acceleration. Things that used to take a long time are no longer going to take a long time anymore. Things that previous generations have labored for because of their labor, because of their faithfulness, we're going to see an, an, an acceleration of people being saved, of people coming to Jesus. That's what revival is. It's just an awareness of God and people just becoming aware of God and repenting and becoming zealous for Him. All that to say tonight, be undone 
by his invitation. Be honored by his invitation. Count it all joy that he has called you and sent his servants out to grab you when you were poor, naked, and blind. And I believe once you come to the feast and you sit and eat with him, I believe the next thing he does to you is to turn to you and say, go, go quickly. There's still more room at my table. There's still more room in my house. There's still more room in my kingdom. Go out to the city, to the streets, to the lanes. Go out to the hedges and the highways. Bring in my lost sheep. Bring in those lost coins. I paid a price for every single one of them. Amen. God, I thank you for the reality of your word tonight. God, this is a really hard message tonight because it's not so much a teaching message, but a catching of your heart. I don't think there's anyone in this room that wouldn't believe that you want to see souls saved. But I believe there is a responsibility on our part to say yes. Even to be sober enough to realize that no excuse is a good excuse. I'm really just talking to the people in the room tonight that have, for whatever reason, are just continually putting off what they know they should do. And I'm hoping tonight that the Holy Spirit is motivating and inspiring you and opening your eyes and giving you the strength to actually do it tonight. I believe there's acts of obedience that God has asked of you that you keep putting on the back burner. I believe there's people that God has put on your heart that He's asking you, hey, would you ring that person? Would you talk to that person? And there's always going to be a better time, right? A more convenient time. I believe there's ministries and things that God wants to birth through His people that we just keep saying no to. It's not the right timing. It's once I've done this and once I've done that, then I'll do it. But you answer the call when He when He calls. And I mean that with all love and respect and honor. You don't put the Lord on hold. He's faithful to keep calling, but show Him honor and reverence by just picking up the phone when it rings and saying yes to him. Yeah, I feel so convicted in this moment. So many things I can think about in my own life that he's called me to and I've made an excuse of why I can't come at that time. So Lord, I come before you and Lord, if there's anyone else in this room too, I can't make him, and you don't require me to do that either. But if there's anyone else in this room, Lord, I repent and be zealous for you. I repent of my apathy and my lukewarmness at times and seasons. 
I repent for putting you on hold and not coming when you called. And I thank you that you are faithful and merciful and your love never fails. That when I repent, you're right there. I thank you, you don't hold things against us. You teach us, you guide us. You give us the strength to go again. So I'm praying for every person in this room that may be struggling in this area, that may feel lukewarm, that may feel like they're compromising and not taking the call of God serious. I pray that they would have a revelation tonight. Your calling. And all we're gonna do is simply answer. And for those five people in the room tonight, when I said that, immediately thought the call is no longer there. I pray, Lord, they would be reminded that the call of God is irrevocable. You still call us. You're calling even now. You're not too far gone. God's just looking for a response. An urgent one. Lord, I just lift my hands tonight and just say, hey, I say yes to you. I say yes to your call. Tonight, not when I get home, not on Monday morning, I'm saying yes to you right now. I'm saying yes to your call, yes to the urgency, yes to go into all the world and preach the gospel, yes to be in your hands and feet, yes to being a laborer for you, here I am, Lord. Send me. Come on. That's the call. Whom will go? Here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me to my family. Send me to my work. Send me to my high school. Send me to my workplace. Send me to Queenstown. Send me to the nations. I'll go wherever you want me to go. You have my yes. And I'll go quickly. And all the saints of God said, amen. I wonder if there's anyone here. I know we haven't got any visitors, but I don't know where everyone is in the room. And we give an altar call every time because my wife and I had to go to three services on Easter before someone gave us an opportunity to give our life to Christ. So this matters to us. This matters Oracles, an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. We would do this even if we knew every single person in the room because we have faith for it. We believe God wants to save. So I'm gonna ask, ask tonight, is there anyone here that doesn't know Jesus? Anyone here who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, but tonight you're like, I wanna give my life to Him. I wanna answer the call, the call of salvation. I wanna answer the call of my Father. The call of Jesus, it says, come to me, all who are weary, laden, heavy burden, I will give you rest. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. I can't answer the call for you. I wish I could. I can just tell you that that, that call is one you want to answer. That call will change your life forever. Pick that one up in Jesus' name. Is there anyone here that would say, yeah, that's me? 
two young men give their lives to Jesus this morning. It's so great to see so many souls getting saved week in and week out. God is so faithful. And anyone in this place will say, yeah, that's me. I'll give my life to him. Amen. And amen. Thank you, brother. I see that hand. Anyone else will say, yeah, that's me. I'll give my life to him. So good. So good. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Why don't we stand tonight?